So it is an absolute privilege uh, for us to come and gather together and worship God today, to sing praises to Jesus, to remember what he did on the cross. I pray that you and I, um, I pray that you'd make, you'd make Jesus Christ your hope, your hope. So, and, and I pray that you and I are reminded of the fact that the body of Christ is the hope of the world. Because you see, the, the church is the body of Christ. And so again, this is, this is why we want to plant three churches in the next five years. We just want people to find hope in Jesus Christ. And so this is why Dan Stouffer is going to begin meeting. He's going to be doing these church planting meetings just right here within our church. He'll start next Sunday, February the 16th. He'll meet at 1130 in the venue. And I, honestly, again, I, I think if you were to go, if you're curious about what's going on, what does this mean, what's it look like, where's it going to happen, all those questions, I think he can answer those questions. And he'll probably create a few more. We just simply want to have dialogue together. We just want to pray to God about this. What does this mean? So if you're curious at all, uh, those, those the meetings will begin next Sunday uh, in the venue at 11.30. That'd be great. So um, I've had the honor over the years of officiating uh, several weddings, and uh, they've been lots of fun. So um, I got to do a wedding one time on the 12th green of a golf course. That was lots of fun. Uh, got to do a wedding one time at the Columbus Zoo. That was a great time. So it was just really, really, just very great and grateful for the opportunities. Now, this upcoming year, um, this is kind of new, different for me. I have five weddings um, uh, uh, that I'm going to be taking care of this upcoming year. The first one's going to be on March the 14th. Now, uh, no matter what, uh, whenever, you know, there's no wedding ceremony that takes place without first gathering the couple together, and then let's just sit down together and let's just talk, what is marriage in, in the eyes of God? What does God say in regards to marriage, right? So now you, you all would agree with me. Every single one of us in this room have varying opinions about marriage. I mean, whether good or bad or whatever, we all have it, all right? As a matter of fact, I'll give you a few. So this is Jackie Hill Perry. She said, our sexuality is not our soul. Marriage is not heaven. Singleness is not hell. And I would completely agree with that. That's a very logical perspective. Now, other people have other thoughts, and some of those are a bit funny, but on, another person said, marriage is a relationship in which one person is always right and the other is the husband. <laughs> so that is, that's, a, that's not bad, all right? Another person said this, love may be blind, but marriage is a real eye-opener. And would you not agree with me? I mean, it is. Again, I mean, you, would, we don't, you don't think alike, you know, you've been Oh, independent, you know, and all of a sudden that totally changes. This one is amazing. It said, 90% of being married is just shouting, what? You know, from other rooms. So I say to my kids all the time, did your mom say something to me? What? What, honey? Well, it's like all the time. All right. Now, even Socrates weighed in on marriage. He said, by all means, marry. If you get a good wife, you'll become happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. So... <laughs> Apparently got a bad one. But you ladies, you ladies, you know, you know that, um, you know, you can become philosophers too, good, bad husbands, just here where you are. So let's just do this now. Um, want you, whether you're single, married, divorced, or widowed, would you just put yourself in my shoes for a moment? Pretend with me. Pretend you've got this sweet little couple and they're sitting across the table from you and you're going to talk to them for, you know, a few times about marriage. So my question is this, what advice, what advice would you give them about marriage. Now, you know, if your experience has been good, then you're probably going to be positive. If your experience has been bad, you probably might be a bit ne negative, maybe even a little jaded. I mean, would you be like, run for the hills? It's like, that's the last thing you want to do. Or would you be like, no, 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 no. Man, the risk is, is amazing because you just might find your lifelong love. What would you say? 
Um, I, on my computer, um, I have a Bible software called Logos Bible Software, and it's really phenomenal. And it states in what I was studying this past week that there are 136 scriptures, 136 scriptures all directly related to marriage found throughout the Bible, 136. Well, that's way too many for a sermon. So here's where we are. I'm going to focus on three, three passages of scripture today. And these passages of scripture have driven a quote. The scripture has created a quote and I thought we could look at these quotes as we talk a bit about it today, all right? So here's the first one. The first quote is this. The goal of marriage is oneness. This is the goal. I have to tell you the story. This was years ago. I stopped off at the Coles down on Huber Village Boulevard. You know, I went in there and I went looking for a golf shirt, you know, something like this. That's pretty much whatever I'm looking for in Coles. So I go to the men's section. Now I'm in the men's section and I'm just looking around different shirts and different things. And as I'm doing that, there are these two women that work at Kohl's. They work there and they happen to be in the men's section and they're folding shirts and folding pants and putting things away and getting things out. You know, they're doing all what they're supposed to be doing. And so these two ladies are talking to each other. All right, now I'm not listening at all to what they're saying, but I can hear everything they're saying because they're talking pretty loud. I mean, they're just talking. So the one woman looks at the old lady and she says, hey, tell me, how's your daughter doing? How's your daughter doing? And she says, no, she's not doing very well. She really isn't. As a matter of fact, she's kind of struggling. I mean, her marriage is really difficult. And the other woman right away says, oh, you know what? That's true. Marriage can be difficult. She says, as a matter of fact, it says in the Bible. And when she said that, I'm telling you, my ears perked up. I mean, I'm like, whoa, some woman just said the Bible. You know, I am literally like two to three rows away now. Oh, wait, I mean, really, I'm not there. And when she said that, I'm just, I like bunny hop. I like sprint over, and now I'm right next to them. I'm right a row away, and I'm totally eavesdropping. I'm listening to everything that they're saying. And the woman goes on. She says, you know what? You know, it's true. Marriage can be tough. But the Bible has a lot of good things to say about marriage. She says, as a matter of fact, there's this passage in Genesis. I know it's in Genesis. I mean, I know it's somewhere, I think, right at the beginning of Genesis. I'm not totally sure exactly what it says. And so I'm standing right there. And I'm like, well, do I say something? I mean, do I say it out loud? I mean, because if I say it out loud, that means she'll know I've been eavesdropping the whole time. So I just start whispering real loud, Genesis chapter 2, it's Genesis chapter 2, it's Genesis 2.24, 2.24. And I don't know if she ever heard me or not, but what does Genesis 2.24 say? Here's the verse. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh, unified. So again, the goal of every marriage is oneness. That's the goal. But you think about this. The longer a couple stays married, how easy is it to drift away from this oneness and to go back to being two? That's scripture quote number one. All right, so let's do another one now. And this one, uh, again, for anyone that's married or if you're even thinking about it, but this one's really powerful. So here's scripture quote number two. Husbands love unconditionally, wives respect unconditionally. And again, where, where do we get that verse? This is the Apostle Paul. This is Ephesians chapter 5. He says it in verse 33. This is a powerful statement. So Paul makes this. He ends chapter 5 saying, however, each one of you husbands also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Dr. Emerson Egerich wrote an awesome book called Love and Respect, all right? In his book, he says Ephesians 5.33 is what he calls the crazy cycle, the crazy cycle. And I want to show you this is what it looks like. 
Ephesians 5.33 says this. And notice it says, without love, she reacts. Without respect, he reacts. And let's face it, typically the reaction's not good. You know, you don't do anything around this house that remotely shows me that you love me. Well, you know, we were at dinner the other night and you put me down in front of my friends. What's the deal? Why did you do that? You see, he won't love her, so she won't respect him. She won't respect him, so he won't love her. And it's called the crazy cycle. And couples for years get on the cycle, and it just keeps going over and over and over again. And as it does, guess what happens? Couples tend to drift away from each other instead of drawing close to each other. It's like, would it kill you to show me a little love? Would it kill you to respect me every now and then? It just keeps going and going, and couples find themselves drifting away. One more, one more verse, and this is where we're going to stay now for the rest of our time, all right? So this, this verse is driven, this quote, so quote number three is this, be intentional. Now that means try, that means make an effort, find ways to show love to people in your life. Open your Bibles this morning, if you would please, to Genesis chapter 20. That's where I'd like you to go today. Genesis 20, verse 1. I've got 13 verses we're going to read, and so you really need to see this for yourself. Raise your hand right now if you don't have a copy of the Word of God, because I'd like to get you one. Remember, you can always grab it from the bookcase in the back if you want. You know, if you don't own a Bible, then you just take this home. Genesis 20 is found on, on page 18 of the Bibles that we're giving out. And I, I just, again, if you have your smartphone with you, fantastic, please get on version. At the bottom of version, in the right-hand corner is the More tab. Hit the More tab, you'll see a list, hit Events, and then look at Westworld Christian will come up. If it doesn't, just type in 43081, and we'll come up, and then my notes, these quotes, and all the scriptures in order will be presented. Now, let's look at Genesis. Let's talk Genesis for a moment. Um, the Bible is all about people, places, and events. All right, so in Genesis, there's lots of people mentioned and several married couples. In particular, I'm thinking of Adam and Eve, and you're also talking about Noah and his wife. But then you have the big three, the big three couples. Again, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, and Jacob and Rachel. I want us to focus on Abraham and Sarah only today. Let's look at them. So Abraham's life, we see it mapped out from Genesis 12 to Genesis 20. We'll get to chapter 20 in a moment, but let me bring some context to this. In Genesis chapter 20, God speaks to Abraham and says, if you leave your father, and if you leave the, their country, and if you come to the promised land, he says, I will bless you in ways that you cannot even comprehend. And so God enters into a covenant with Abraham. I'll be your God, you be my servant. And no, in Genesis chapter 20, Abraham is 75 years old, 75. Okay, so now we get to Genesis 17. Abraham and Sarah are married. They've been married for quite some time now, okay? So in Genesis chapter 17, God comes to Abraham and says to him, you're going to have a son. And he's like, yeah, really? I mean, because why do I say that? Because 24 years has passed by since God said that. He's now 99. Sarah's 89. You're going to have a son. One year from now, your wife Sarah will she'll be pregnant and you will have a son. All right, he promises them this. This is in chapter 17. So when we get to Genesis chapter 20, well, this is a really big deal because an incident is about to take place that could jeopardize everything, all right? Abraham must be the father of the baby that Sarah gives birth to. Otherwise, there is no covenant agreement, all right? Something could happen here. We got to see it. Go to Genesis 20. Let's start at verse 1, and we'll be here now the rest of our time. Genesis chapter 20, starting at verse 1, it says, 
Now, Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev. Negev means wilderness or the desert, okay? And lived between Kadesh, that's in Philistine country. The Philistines are typically enemies of God. Uh, and Shur, that's on the way to Egypt. And for a while, Abraham stayed in Gerar. And there, Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. And then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. Let's explain that for a moment. He says, she is my sister. And you and I need to know this, all right? In early, in, in, at the beginning of creation, again, there is no doubt. She, Sarah is Abraham's stepsister or, um, yeah, stepsister. Understand that? So uh, that's, that's what it is. So um, now today, um, that's a bit yikes. All right, can we have, on a, uh, let's do this. On, on three, can we have a collective ooh? All right, it's like this look right here. I see, it's like that. So it's like, on three, can we have it? One, two, three. It's like, honestly, that's just not the way it's supposed to go. And again, what was accepted at this moment, I want you to know, will be forbidden by the time we get to Leviticus 18. It's that that's not what you want to do. All right, verse three, keep reading now. Verse three says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman that you have taken. She is a married woman. As a matter of fact, look at the, the screen. This is verse 18. This is how serious God is. He's saying, for the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Please get this. Remember, this is a long, he's a king and he has a harem. And so he just basically wants, he said, and Sarah's my sister. He just wants her to be another one of his wives. All right, it's just the way that it is. This is the context of where we're at now. Go to verse four. Let's keep reading. Verse four. Now, Abimelech, had not gone near Sarah, so he, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister, and didn't she also say, he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in, in the dream, yes, I know you did, with, did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. Get the point? It's like, okay. So early the next morning, something tells me Abimelech couldn't sleep much, okay? Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he had told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, what have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? And Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place. Remember, he's in Philistine country, and the Philistines, most all, remember Goliath, anything like that? They did not believe in God. He said, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. You know, kings do that. May I remind you that King David had Uriah killed so that he could take Bathsheba as his wife, all right? So it's like, it's like so again, we'll keep reading. Verse 12, besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. All right, now here, why did, why did Abraham do that? It's because he's afraid. 
It was all based on fear. He does this twice, once in chapter 12, now in chapter 20. I mean, he lies. I mean, he's kind of, it's a half-truth. No, it's a lie. I mean, it just is. He's afraid because he thinks they're going to take his life to get his wife. And so this is what he said. But there's this unbelievable precedent for marriage, this precedent that's so powerful for us, and this is what it is. This is how you can show love to me. And this changes every single marriage, no matter how long, just a few years, or you've been married for many, many years. This is how you can show love for me. But let's take this from a general perspective first. All right, let's just think of it this way. This is how, how can we show love to people in general? How can we do that? Well, one of the ways that we can do this is by honoring them. We just honor people, because this is what the Bible says, that we should give honor to whom honors do. I want to do that, give you two examples here this morning. You know, we just took communion not long ago. Every week we take communion here at Westwood Christian Church. And you see that tray that gets passed right in front of you. You know, and that tray has bread on the top and it has, you know, cups of juice all around. But you do know that someone has to put the bread in the trays and someone has to put the juice in the cups. As a matter of fact, you've got to have a little device to get that juice in that tiny little cup. And there's a woman in our church, and her name is Loretta Gary, and she has been doing that for nearly 25 years. 25 years, putting bread, putting bread in, the, in the trays, putting juice in the cups. And she has, she has told us, she has told us, you know what, I, I think I'm going to be done now. And now we're going to let someone else do that. And I honestly just felt that this would be a good time uh, for us to honor her and to thank her for what she did. So this is how we can do this. How can we show love to people in this world? Well, one, one way is that we just honor them. Okay? Now, there's another, there's another one. Now, um, and this is, this is huge. You know, tomorrow is February 10th. And February 10th is one of the darkest days in the history of Westerville. So tomorrow, February 10th, is the two-year anniversary of the shootings of officers uh, Anthony Morelli and Eric Joring. And in the line of duty, you know, just coming to a house to protect someone. And they were both shot and killed. And I would guess that you remember that day. I, I do. And so that's tomorrow. And what, what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to take a few seconds and um, I'd just like us to pray on behalf of the families of people involved in this. So this, this, we'll just keep this up. But if you could just, if you want to pray for all of them or one, but would you please pray for the families of Eric and Tony, specifically Jamie Joring and Linda Morelli and their children and their parents and just people that are in their, in their, in their lives. Would you please p- pray for police officers I mean, everywhere. I mean, they're our first line of defense. And we have a police officer right out in our lobby. When you leave today, if you just shake that person's hand, man, I don't know if we would all want to give him a hug. I don't know if that would work. But you know, honestly, you see what I'm saying? I mean, this, it, it's just amazing. How about for first responders? You've got firemen and EMTs, men and women who just, they, they're, they're our first line for rescue. And then, of course, would you be willing to pray for Quentin Smith? Because he's in a lot more He's in a prison that's beyond physical. And would you pray that he truly, he would find God, that he would admit that what he did was wrong, and he needs to seek forgiveness, seek forgiveness from Jesus himself. Would you take a few moments, close your eyes, and again, would you, would you just take a few seconds and pray right now?
Father God, we lift up uh, Linda Morelli and Jamie Joring to you this day. We lift up their families. And we pray for their hearts. We pray for them in their grief. We lift them before you. And pray that, God, that you would grant them your peace. Father God, we pray for police officers. We pray for the choices that they make and for their decisions uh, to help people. And we lift them before you and pray that you'd protect them. God, I pray for firefighters and EMTs. I know several. And I'm so thankful for what they do. Most of us run from the building and they run into it. And we're so deeply grateful for how they choose to live their lives and for what they just choose to do in this life. And Father God, we pray for Quentin Smith. And we pray that God, that he would put his faith and trust in you. We pray that he would admit to what he did and that he could find peace and forgiveness by knowing you. God, it is our prayer that we would show love to people in this world. And many times, it's by honoring them. It's by remembering their sacrifice. And we so thank you for the sacrifice of your son Jesus and what you did for us so long ago. It's in your holy name we pray, amen. So sometimes it's in general, we just simply want to be able to show love to the people around us. But let's get specific today. I mean, how do you actually show love to your spouse, your husband or wife? How, how, how do we do that? Um, I, I think in particular, one of the biggest things is that it's just making a willful choice to be kind. To just be kind to this person in your life. Um, you know that this coming Friday is Valentine's Day. You know, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, I mean, Valentine's is like a lob pass. I mean, you're like, it's just there. Uh, I mean, you can, you know, maybe you're like, I just can't stand how Valentine's Day. Well, Hallmark loves it, you know. So I found this card. I thought this was really funny. So you got this heart-shaped pizza, Hallmark heart-shaped pizza. You open it up and says, I wish you a happy Valentine's Day with every pizza of my heart. Okay, get one better than this, all right? <laughs> But you see what I'm saying? It's just, what, what will you do in regards to this and showing love? And here's what it is. What happens if you're celebrating your 30th Valentine's? What if you're celebrating your 60th Valentine's Day? How easy is it to just kind of go, eh, it's just another day. David told you at the beginning, I'm beginning a two-week series today. It's just two weeks. And this series is called Marriage Drift. Drift means to be slowly carried away. And marriage drift means to be slowly carried away from the one who said, I do. Now the question is again, is how does that happen? How does this happen? Well, author, I love this, it's Raymond Hall, he said, all marriages are happy, it's the living together afterward that causes all the trouble. <laughs> and we'd have to you know, agree with that. Again, the fact is, is that in this life, there's just troubles. Jesus tells us this in John 14, you'll have trouble. He says, but you'll find peace in me. I mean, again, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7 that marriage in and of itself will bring troubles. There are. Some troubles are our own creation. Some of them, other people do. Again, you, you know, you might have a sick child or you might be. You know what? All those different things. But things just simply come our way. A lot of our troubles, though, think about this. A lot of our troubles are totally and completely unexpected. There are things that no one ever dreamed or thought would happen, but they, they just do. They just happen. 
sometimes. All right, th this one in particular, I think is actually kind of funny. Would you watch this? Look what happened. Before we go, check out this video from Rob Maines. He calls it the great mattress migration of 2019, and you can see why. Maines posted it on Saturday on YouTube. It already has more than 136,000 views. We think it's awesome. It happened by Stapleton, uh, by the runway 35 pool off 47th and Xenia during an outdoor movie night. Storm came in and just pushed all those air mattresses around through the park. There's going to be sandbags on those before. <laughs> Yeah, thank yeah, you. you live in Stapleton. You get a mattress and you get a mattress. Everybody gets a mattress in Stapleton. So once again, let's go to a fun outdoor thing. It'll be great. It'll be fantastic. And then the wind comes up and all of them are blown away. I mean, again, it's just things that we do. Things like this happen. Now, in marriage in particular, think about this. Your job takes off, but it also takes you away from home. Late nights, travel, and overtime mean this. You get paid more money, but you see each other less. Communication can come to a screeching halt. You know, conversation that was deep and full of laughter, oftentimes it's, it's nothing more than a hi or hello or a text message followed by several emojis. I mean, you know, children are true gifts from God, but they can place a strain on marriage that creates sleepless nights and nonstop demands. And again, sex that was taking place when you were in your 20s and 30s, well, that's a whole lot different when you're in your 60s. I mean, again, it's just like, man, I just, there's just, there's like, there's just no desire. There isn't. So what, what do we do? In, in light of all this, you see how all those things can make it easy for us just to simply drift away from each other in this world. So what, what's the difference? How can we, how can we honestly you know, make it better? I, I think really for this, it comes down to this. It's just simply making a choice to be kind, all right? Let me give you an example. This past Monday, last Monday, I had to go to the Delaware License Agency. So that's the Bureau of Motor Vehicles in Delaware. I had to go get a registration for my car, get that all taken care of. So when I get in there, I walk in and there's maybe 10 people in front of me, which I thought was really good because I've been there before when there's like 50 people in front of me. So there's only 10 people there. I'm like, this is great. So I'm just simply waiting in line, just waiting right there. And as I am, there's this older couple, an older couple. They're at the counter. They're getting their paperwork done. I do not know how old this couple is. But I'm guessing they had to be at least in their 70s. I mean, he's got a walker. He's got a walker right next to him, and the wife's there, and they are talking with the lady, and she's helping them, and they're just bantering, and you know, just it's having a good time. It's all good. They get their paperwork all finished and taken care of. It's fine. So they receive it. The wife is holding it. Understand that the husband has got the walker right here, and he's in front of her, and she is behind him. And I don't know. I'm just standing there watching. And he's just, they get all their stuff and they're done. And he just stands there. I mean, he's got a walker, but he's not walking. I mean, he's just standing there. He's not moving. He's not moving at all. And this is just going on. And she's just very patiently waiting behind her husband. And he's just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, he looks back and he goes, what's wrong with you? Let's move it. What's wrong? What are you waiting for? And she says, I was waiting for you. Jeez. And she runs ahead of me. Now, please understand, just a few seconds earlier, they were having a nice conversation with the lady behind the counter. Now, please know, if it were me, I would have said, I'm waiting for you, you old goat. <laughs> but you see what we do? How many times are we so kind and courteous to the people around us? But when it comes to the people in our lives, how easy is it for us to just get frustrated and impatient and just snippy? You know what? When all that happens and it continues to happen, it's so easy for couples to find themselves drifting away from each other. You, you could have walked in this room. You walked in this room here today, and your thoughts are kind of along this. You're thinking, you know what? It might be just a few more years. It might be for a few more months. But I'm telling you what, I'm getting out of this relationship. I mean, once the kids are out of the house, I'm gone. 
And I would say to you, that is not what God wants for you. It is not. Let me give you three quick resources on all of this and how to help us be closer together. Three quick resources. The first one is a conference. You'll see it on the back of your message outline. Here it is right here. Three conferences. It's an awesome conference. It's a weekend to remember. It's April 3rd to the 5th, and it's at the Columbus Marriott. And I'm telling you, it is a remarkable conference. And maybe this is exactly what your marriage needs. If this is something that you could do, something you could go to, work out, I promise you, it would be unbelievably beneficial for your marriage. The other two resources that I have for you today are these. It's uh, two books written by the same guy. It's Gary Thomas. Gary wrote this book called Sacred Marriage. It's one of the best books I've ever read on marriage. And he asked this question right here. He says, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? Because let's face it, folks, no marriage is happy all the time. Again, no spouse can make you happy all the time. They don't possess that superpower. They just don't. All right, then he followed this book up with another book. This one, I think, is even better than the first one. It's called A Lifelong Love. And the question is, what if marriage is is about more than just staying together? You know, what if marriage is more about us being one, an unbelievable demonstration of unity? Gary Spence, chapter 13, it's called The Two Dimensions of Marriage. Oh, amazing chapter. In that, he makes this quote. He says, couples can live in one of two dimensions— Intimacy or estrangement? Estrangement is separation, all right? You know which dimension by asking one of two questions. How can I bless you or how can I get my needs met? No, question one means you're acting like a couple and it results in unity, oneness. Question number two means you're acting like an individual and it results in conflict. And why do we have conflict? It's because one or both people want their way. I want my needs met and I don't care what you want. And that will not make for a great relationship. The fact is, on any marriage, any marriage, I mean, you have to be intentional. We have to find ways to show love. Um, I went into my office just a little, it was a couple weeks ago, and when I went in there, there was a fortune cookie on my desk. And I absolutely guarantee you, Mark Steyer is the one that put it there. I just know it is. It's just a fact. So it's on my desk. I break it open. I, I eat the cookie. And this is the fortune cookie. It, it says this. Any rough times are behind you. Does anyone believe that? No. Seriously. I, I, there, there's no way. And here, you, you're here today, and maybe you're having a rough time. If, if you're single, married, widowed, or, or divorced, if you're having any kind of rough time in your relationship, any kind. Here's what I recommend, my encouragement. Turn to Jesus Christ. Call upon Jesus Christ in your life. Because no one showed more love than Jesus Christ. Turn to him, look to him, and pray to God. I mean, seriously, pray to God today. And here's the prayer to pray. God, please give me the strength to show love to the people in my life. Help me to show love to them just like your son did. I have got at least 20 prayer cards. I think I got 10 on each side. Every one of these prayer cards, it's someone praying for someone they love. Would you pray for them? They're asking for that. Would you just take some time, take some time this morning and just again, uh, just call out to God. Call out to God. And then if I can get some, would you come up and pray for these people? Let's take some moment. Let's take some time and let's come before God right now.